Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John. With me today are returning guests. You know, I made them watch this movie and I'm not sorry about it. It's Gary Cruz and Chris Barker, everyone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Personally, I want to request uh, the Star Wars Holiday Special back instead of this. But, um... <laughs> oh, but it's Pride. It's Pride Month, it everyone. It is. And this film is honestly so gay to the point it made me feel straight. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You know, I wish everything was this unapologetically over the top and gay. Oh, man. You just keep fixing things and doing DIY ever since we watched it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's the, uh, the Hetty in me. Yeah, the Hetty. I, I noticed that you turned a wedding dress into wings as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we're here today to talk about Were the World Mine, a 2008 gay movie, gay musical movie. We'll go with that. Yeah, very loosely musical, I'd say. I mean, the musical numbers I thought brought absolutely nothing to it, but that's, I mean, that's a conversation for later on. But I felt like they were added in at the last minute, like it wasn't planned. And then they were just like, oh, shall we make this a musical? We might as well just add a, a little bit in. <laughs> well, buckle up. I got some news for you guys. Uh, but first, the screenplay was written by Corey James Rukenberg. We're going with it. And Tom Gustafsson. Music by Jessica Fogel. Lyrics by Corey James. Last name. I don't, I can't pronounce it this early in the morning. Uh, it was directed <laughs> by Tom Gustafsson. And according to IMDb, Buckle up. I hate I, I don't like this um, at all. A bullied and demoralized gay student at an all-boys school uses a magical flower derived from Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream to turn many in his community gay, including a comely rugby player for himself. What? <laughs> I know that's what happens, but those words are weird <laughs> from what I saw. <laughs> No, I, I agree. It makes him sound way more predatory than he actually is. Um, it makes him just sound like, oh, I fancy that guy. I'm just going to turn him gay. Yeah, it, essentially, essentially, I know uh, Midsummer Night's Dream deals with it and everything's a product of its time. But big elephant in the room for me watching this was the idea of consent. Yeah. Like, you, yes. it felt so icky. Which is a shame because actually... Apart from that, which, I mean, again, spoiler alert for what I want to say later on, um, the, the the magic flower thing, one of my least favorite things about this film, it didn't need to be there because everything else before that point, the gay representation for a film in 2008, actually pretty great. Like, when you think about 2008 in cinema and gay representation, it's either there as a joke, an insult, or an offensive stereotype. Whereas this film's like, oh my God, here's these gay characters that are just like everyone else go for a really tough time. It's actually quite heartfelt. And then he just starts fucking spraying his flower in people's faces and making them fall in love with him. Did you not enjoy him macing everyone? Well, that's I mean, essentially what it yeah, goes around to. Technically, technically. Pepper spraying yeah. everyone to make them gay. Yeah. And, and then, then, yeah. 
and then it rains in the auditorium and no one questions it yeah, at the yeah. end. like like that teacher uh miss tebbit or whatever the english the english drama teacher like apparently she's magic and i was like no one that that scene at the end or towards the end when she's like my spell only lasts for a little while and i was like why is nobody questioning this like well i mean we it's nadine from twin peaks and we don't question nadine from twin peaks she can do right. whatever she likes and I mean, she can turn me straight, turn me gay, do whatever she wants. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, just to preempt this, we are huge Twin Peaks fans. So <laughs> if anyone from Twin Peaks is in any film, we're, we're on their side. They can't do no wrong. But I, I, I liked her. I liked how she only spoke in Shakespeare quotes and positive affirmations. Uh, she was like, any if anyone needed any advice, she was there. She was like, just look yourself in the mirror and realize you're a smooth rock in a jagged pool. <laughs> she also, I feel like, wanted to be in the show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. She was. She was that kind of director where she would, where during rehearsals, she'd be like, okay, now you're saying your line, you're saying your line. No, I'm gonna finish it now. <laughs> Now, you two have never seen this movie prior to this, correct? No, no. Okay, so what do we... Do you know what? It's not bad. I I wouldn't say it's a bad film. Like, I think it was good, but it's frustratingly good. Like, as in, it's massively basic um, in what it does. And there are a few parts where it almost bored me to tears. But apart from that, it's a good film. But it's not like great enough to to where I can sit here and be like, oh my god, it's a masterpiece, everyone has to see this. But it's not bad enough to where I can sit here and tear it apart. So that's just really frustrating. <laughs> I we'd never seen it before and it was it wasn't hard to get hold of, but it wasn't readily available. So I did have to spend money on <laughs> purchasing it on DVD. So I'm kind of somewhere between, yes, I was entertained, but I kind of resent paying money to watch it. Well, would you watch it again? Um, To get my money's worth, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, so I've seen this movie before and now I'm, but like, I don't even remember the last time I watched it, but rewatching it, I was like, it's camp, but it's not camp enough. There are moments where I'm just like, okay, yeah, we're going crazy, you know, musical numbers, whatever. But, like, it felt like it held itself back to, like, go full force. I would say budget may have been an issue yeah. with that one. It's definitely a low-budget independent film, and it may have gone a little bigger with its production if it had more money. The money went to the tree. One... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Nadine from Twin Peaks. And Nadine, uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it wanted to do something greater than it could do, which just left kind of left me wanting more. Yeah. But again, I loved its intentions. Again, you know, 2008, this is great for, for that time. Um, you know, I liked that it went out there and it wanted to be very gay. But... Did it remind anyone of anything? You're not allowed to answer this, Chris, because okay. you already know the answer. I do. I do. But John, did it remind you of anything in this film? Besides Midsummer Night's Dream? Besides yeah. Midsummer Night's Dream. Another musical released slightly before this. <laughs> oh, you know, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. So for me, 
I was getting high school musical the house down boots throughout. <laughs> like it was the the dad, not, not the dad, but the the teacher, the rugby teacher who was homophobic and didn't want the play to go ahead and didn't want his students involved. The uh, the teacher who was wanting to be in the musical herself clearly. The uh, the twink in the lead looks a little bit like Zac Efron, and it's like, oh my god, this is definitely a time when High School Musical was popular. Now you say that, I can definitely see everything, but it feels like this is the slightly more realistic side of High School Musical and gay. Yeah, gay, 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 yeah. Gay. It's gay School Musical. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it also came at the tail end of the Shakespeare adaptations. We've had so many Shakespeare adaptations throughout the years. But in terms of like teen movies, you know, I feel like Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann film, which went on to 10 Things I Hate About You, um, that one with Kirsten Dunst that I can't remember the name of. Oh. Someone with a bow and arrow. What was it called? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> that, that, that's 10 Things I Hate About You. She, shoot, she shoots somebody with a bow and arrow. Kirsten Dunst does as well in another... Oh, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, Kirsten Dunst. What was it called? I get over it. Get over it. Get over it. Thank you. Yes. Get over it. Yes. So, are these sort of teen movies based at O as well? Because there were so many. Yeah. Um, based on Shakespeare plays. So, I I, I'm glad we finally got a gay one in 2008. I'm, I'm I'm pleased with that. Thinking about gay movies of the early 2000s, they are truly wild. Because you're like, oh, you are all stereotype. Like in this one, I gotta, I, I gotta hate on Donna a little bit. The mom. Oh, that cow, of course, yeah. Like what the fuck? And then there's that one scene where she's, she goes, she's a door to door makeup salesperson, which I, I don't even know existed in 2008. <laughs> I, I think they were just like, well, we gotta still do this. Um, but when she goes to that christian lady or that church or whatever and the lady's like oh man shall not lie with man and i'm like who cares who cares about religion of course you had to add that in like you said the the music numbers were shoehorned in i think like the home of a lot of the homophobia was shoehorned in massively you're either an ally or you're homophobic there's nowhere in between in this film and there's a very small amount of allies um and then just everybody i don't know where this was set i don't know you know the history (laughs) of where wherever this was but everyone was homophobic but outwardly very strongly homophobic yeah if this was a slasher film i'd have been rooting for his mum to die a horrible horrible death oh my god like that that scene that they have in the car where she's like why are you gay i was like why is this happening yeah but the like, bullies would have been enough that that you know if just the bullies at school and that's the part I enjoyed the most is the coming of age you know bullied at school struggling trying to find a way to deal with it that's great you know that's realistic that happens but then it is the fact that everyone else is is homophobic and like cartoonishly homophobic yeah yeah it's weird that they have to the lesson that they learn is that they have quote walk a mile in a gay person's shoes or whatever. But, like, we get the message of acceptance, but in the wrong path. Like, hey, I'm going to put a spell on you, and you're going to be gay. And then at the end, everyone is happy. <laughs> and Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I thought you said it was the more realistic version of High School Musical. <laughs> that is not how it works in life. 
But still, like, I mean, this is a high school musical with grit a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the lesson was now you know how Timothy feels because you've lived gay for a day, which isn't really how it should be. It no. should be you should accept Timothy for who he is, regardless of whether you can sort of um, empathize with his situation. It, it's you can be straight and fully straight without having to be homophobic. Right. It's, and I feel like they were like, I feel like a lot of the humor came from these homophobic people acting gay, which I didn't, I didn't really like because mm. it, it's a bit of, that's not the point. That's not what we're trying to say. Yeah. Is you, you these homophobic, they don't have to be gay to understand what it's like to be gay. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like like when the rugby coach turns their practice into a ballet lesson or whatever, I was like, yeah. again, this is a moment of like, okay, this is camp. I understand where we're going, but like, you could have gone further with it. Not gonna lie, this movie's not bad at all. I agree. No. Like, like we're we're. I feel like we're in like a indifferent land where it's like, okay, maybe I'll watch it again, but like, not. I'm not rushing to watch it again. I mean, I first learned of this back when Bravo here in America aired gay movies. <laughs> I think that's when I first watched it. Okay. Yeah, this was you around. Know Bravo for Bravo, Bravo. Like Bravo. Housewives. Housewives. <laughs> Denise Richards. <laughs> yeah. Before Housewives, Bravo TV used to air gay movies. It was this one. There were so many other ones. And I was like, okay, this is a pretty interesting one, you know, musical, another one about finding yourself in high school, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't know, watching it again in 2023, I'm just like, I don't, you could do more. This, it feels like this is a great first step. And then like, obviously this is the one that you show like producers and things like that to be like, look what we can do. And, or like, hey, I could do this. Let me do, let me now do the big budget musical somewhere else yeah i'm I'm just shocked that you had that many gay films available in the early 2000s in the uk we never had a channel dedicated to my dad did we that's amazing no no we, we never had anything like that here in, i'm not sure if it's the same in america but here in the uk the, the film was released on dvd by tla releasing yes same here and we've watched a few of those films mm-hmm. And they're all sort of from the early 2000s, all very much based on gay stereotypes, the kind of gay culture that I've never really identified with or has never really been mm-hmm. my sort of lived experience of gay life. Um, stuff I'm thinking, what's it, eating out? Oh, yeah, um, that one, yeah. And, Hellbent. Big, and Hellbent, although we really enjoyed Hellbent. Uh, another gay movie. Yes. Yeah. It's all very much um, skinny white dudes. Uh, and that's what this packs. one is. That's what this is too. <laughs> this has yeah. skinny white dudes with six pack. I mean, Jonathan, the rugby player, the one that uh, our lead is lusting after, I think is like somewhat stocky, but like he's still in shape and everything and that's what all these gay movies in the early 2000s were yeah absolutely 
So I do have to say this is based off of a short film by Tom Gustafsson. It's called Fairies. Right. Which makes I, sense. I was trying to, f- I, I remembered once upon a time you could find it on YouTube, but if you type in like fairies, 2003 short film, you get a lot of that Peter Pan from 2003, but you, you can find the trailer and, um, What's her name from Twin Peaks is still in it, playing the same exact character. It's, it's basically the same, but like obviously they added like an hour to this movie of things that like we were just complaining about, you know, like the homophobia. The it still had the music. There still was it still was a musical, but I think they added like maybe a few more songs for this movie, this expanded version. But yeah, it it's wild and it has the same wild like design for the play within the movie, which I hate. I've always hated it. I I've never loved that where they had like the makeup, the silver makeup on one side and the post-apocalyptic feel <laughs> to it. Yeah. I did think the costumes were hideous. Absolutely yes. hideous during the uh, stage production. I, d- I did think they were particularly ugly. But what I did like about it, this is the only compliment I'll give the design is that it did feel homemade or it did feel like, you know, we bought pieces at the thrift store or something. Unlike, unlike other movies where they do a play or something and they're like, Oh, look at this costume I just made. And it's like clearly made in a costume shop for hours by like multiple people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just threw it together from the curtains. (laughs) 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 Giving gone with the wind. (laughs) Um, But have you, have you guys seen Midsummer? Midsummer Night's Dream? Uh, No. My familiarity with Midsummer Night's Dream is from the Golden Girls episode, uh, <laughs> based on it. I did do a little research beforehand, the sort of Wikipedia research. Uh-huh. Um, I, I I like to think I'm rather cultured, but uh, Shakespeare has is, is never been the one for me. I I really don't like Shakespeare, sort of. Not... not like true Shakespeare, not diluted through other means or mm-hmm. through film or yeah. made into a teen film. Because Ten Things I Hate About You is one of our favorite films. That is, um, that is real... that is perfection. Like yeah. yeah. But when you, we had to do it at school, I I detested it. I really hated it, and I feel like this film had maybe a little bit of a reliance on the knowing about Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, I think so. Knowing that the teacher was magical herself, I feel like she's representing a character in the play, but it doesn't make it particularly clear until the end. So when she is not reacting to what's going on or seems to be a part of it, or, you know, when the F-bomb's dropped in front of her and Mm. she just kind of smiles and laughs, and she just carries on. It's like, uh, are you meant to be telling him not to call him the F word? Like, they liked it. They were throwing that word around like it was nothing. Yeah. 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 Even we, we have an ongoing joke, me and Gary, that every gay film has to have a heartbroken white girl. That's uh, when, the, when the gay 
boy comes out, there always yeah. has to be this the girl on whose heart is broken, and it happens so much. But in this one, I was like, I'm glad your heart was broken. She was, <laughs> she was dropping the f bomb like it was nothing. Yeah, it was awful. I was like, she wasn't even under the spell or anything no. like that. She was just, she was a real homophobe. It's like, oh my god, was Crazy. she? She was under the spell at one point where yeah. she was uh, in. Now I say in love. I feel like in this film it's in lust. Oh wait, wait. Are we talking about? Jonathan's girlfriend or Jonathan's talking... girlfriend. Oh, okay. I so, thought you meant. Yeah. Frankie. Oh, not not um not Zelda Williams. Not, okay. Not I thought I thought you meant the the character Frankie because I was like, well, Frankie. I know Frankie says the the this f word sometimes, but like, you know, she it she's not doing it in malice. She's just like, I'm one of you. I can say it because I'm heteroflexible. Yeah. <laughs> just for the record, she's not. <laughs> Even with that amazing hat and boots combination, oh, and Ashley the guitar Simpson would have been so jealous of that outfit. <laughs> yes, yeah, and but yes, the the girl, uh, the ex girlfriend, and her friend—they're just like throwing f bomb. No, we're not saying fuck when we say f bomb. We need no, the no. other one, the gay slur, a bunch of sticks slur. <laughs> Or cigarette slur. Cigarettes, yes. yes. Cigarette slur. <laughs> yes. Uh, but they, yes, they throw it around. The guys at school throw it around all the time. And it's like, okay. I mean, I know that this is an indie film and everything, but like, and there's only what, like 10 guys in the class. But I feel, I feel like, you know, there has to be at least one other gay student there who does, I mean, who's probably not outwardly gay, but like, you know. Although seemingly it was Jonathan. But the thing is, I didn't find it as jarring. Again, you know, bringing it back to films in 2008, that was very much a regular thing. Like you'd expect to hear it in any sort of R-rated comedy from uh, What's-His-Face who did Knocked Up and... Seth Rogen or Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow, yeah, you'd expect to hear it in in majority of films similar to that. Like, so it was kind of like, oh yeah, this this feels like it probably is a school in two thousand and eight. You know, it doesn't really surprise me that much. It lost all meaning by the end. The more, oh yeah, of course. The more you use yeah. it, the less it actually yeah. means. So I, I'm not against the use of the word because obviously it fit a purpose. But the more the film used it, the less it actually meant. It was mm. like, yeah, we get it, okay? You're homophobic. We understand. You don't have to keep using that word. Yeah. We get it. Everyone is homophobic. <laughs> you know what's interesting? This movie's not rated. I, I was okay. just looking to see what the rating was. And according to IMDb, it says it's not rated. So, because... Twelve. I, I... Twelve? Yeah. Oh, wow. What was it? Twelve. Uh, Twelve is... It's like a PG thirteen, yeah, yeah. PG-13. equivalent, yeah. But for which, us, it's no one under the age of twelve is allowed to watch it at all. Which, which is interesting because, like, I know for film, once you say "fuck," that's yeah. automatically PG thirteen. But I guess the other F word, you could say it all the time, and it's not going <laughs> to be R or above. Honestly, in the UK, it's bizarre. We um, the the Pogue song "Fairy Tale of New York." 
it's only recently they've started censoring that on the radio. Like they'll openly play it with that word in it with, without censoring it at all. Like you turn on the music channels on TV and it's there playing without being censored. And it's just the, the censors don't look, don't think anything of it, which is shocking really. It's a strange one because they kind of justify it by saying it has a different meaning to what it is. Um, so then it gets played. Like you could be going shopping and you could just hear yeah. the words whilst you're doing like, your grocery shopping uh-huh. at Christmas yeah. time. And you just hear the word and you're like, oh, okay. Not going to censor it on me. Wait, are you saying artists use the word in their songs? So have you not heard the song Fairytale of New York? No. No, yeah, it's it's openly used in that song. It's quite a... I suppose it probably is more popular in the UK than it is yeah, in America. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, openly in that song it's said, and uh, yeah, I don't feel the need to censor it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, this is... This is great, everyone. Happy Pride Month! <laughs> <laughs> Happy Pride Month! <laughs> apparently, yeah, apparently everyone can say this word. Oh, great. <laughs> Unless you start macing them, and then they'll stop. <laughs> Homophobia will be cured. God, um, you guys were. Ta- uh, we want. Let's talk about the songs for a little bit. What I wrote down is that there are nine songs, but like, I don't know. A couple of them are Frankie's little ditties that she makes up. So I'm not really. I don't really count those. This is the first musical I've ever watched where I didn't like a single song that was included, except. Except the needle drop with uh, the magic position by Patrick Wolf, because that is a banger and by far the best song in this film. Um, <laughs> everything else, though, I really I, I I can't even remember them. Like I've got notes here, and it's like I'm looking back and I'm like, okay, no, I don't remember that. Don't remember that. Like they're so generic and forgettable. I just there wasn't a single one that stood out to me. What about the Mika song? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of Mika myself. Um, so I wasn't a fan of that. Was Mika, was Mika big in America? Life in Cartoon Motion was a pretty big album here, yeah. Because we, we had... Well, well, Grace <laughs> Kelly, I think, was the bigger song than the one that yeah. was used in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But Mika was everywhere at a certain yeah. point. So I was a bit like, I mean, I've heard this song like a million times. And, and now, choice. and now that like that song came back recently on TikTok because um, everyone was like doing the "I could be brown, I could be blue, I could be" doing the chorus and like layering themselves. So it's I guess he's never going. He's never leaving us. <laughs> well, he hosted uh, the Eurovision Song Contest a couple of years ago last year. Was it last, last year? year? Last yeah. year. Last year he hosted the Eurovision Song Contest. Damn. So yeah. To remind people he existed. <laughs> I feel like maybe he's still big in Europe. <laughs> That's how, when people are still famous in the UK, but we've never seen him for a while. They all must be big in Europe. But yeah, because the songs seem like they took dialogue from. I mean, it didn't seem like they literally took dialogue from the play and were like, let's put it to music, everyone. Or yeah. the, or there's the, um, crap, which one was it? Oh, the titular song, We're the World Mine, where I don't understand what's happening in this. Like, I, the, 
I get what's what is happening, but like then you add the weird choreography to it. I like to say in Voyage of the Rock Aliens, everyone was on cocaine for that movie. So like the choreography made sense because they all just did blew a rail and we're like, cool. Now everyone's doing a dance on every note, right? Yeah. Here in Were the World Mine, they do something similar, but I was like, do I blame it still on cocaine? No, I think it's just bad choreography, to be honest, or lack thereof. (laughs) I mean, it's in keeping with the film, because it was giving me sort of high school musical theatre first show energy, (laughs) (laughs) just like throwing everything at it and hoping it sticks. Like, should we do something with the the rugby balls? What can we do different? Should we get... And I, I felt a little queasy feet involved when the feet were kicking oh not a foot fan um but again for me it was the kind of gay culture i don't identify with so it's twinks dancing around and being very good at dancing of course but with wings and vests (laughs) and shirtless and all that business and i didn't like how he was singing the song to Jonathan when Jonathan was in many ways just as homophobic as all the other boys yeah. there. He never stood up for him. He there was I mean he slapped his ass once and then apparently that that was okay that you know now Jonathan's an ally or something and he deserves a song sung about him. I didn't I didn't really get that. It made me feel uncomfortable. I'm like, no, he's just as much of a bully as everyone else. Why are you singing this love song? I, to I him? thought they were going in the heart stopper direction of him. Um, you know, he's a, a rugby player that he noticed his singing, so I thought, Oh, okay, he's gonna be secretly gay, but just not like stereotypically gay, but but then yeah, but then by the time I knew it he was just one of the other bullies. He, he was secretly gay. Because, spoiler alert, they end up together at the end. Yeah, because he sprayed the flower in his face. But then the the spell was broken and they were still in a relationship. Mm. So seemingly he was already gay before. Badly written. Because we also see him, like, watch Timothy doing the audition. And I guess that's supposed to be, like, his, like, Jonathan's awakening being like, oh, maybe I am attracted to him. But, like, I don't know. I feel like there's also a scene missing that's actually telling us this. A very important piece of information where it's like, no, Jonathan is gay. Because, like, we're using subtext or passing glances or things like that to assume about his character. But it's never like, no, he is. And he's using this girl as a beard. And he really loves Timothy or whatever. But I think the film tries to do that, but in the scene where he smacks his ass. Yes. Because, again, and you know, I hate to beat a dead horse, but it's that kind of gay culture that was so prominent in these sort of films mm. back in the 2000s, yeah. is that gay culture is everybody wants to shag each other. It's all about sex and lust, and yeah. it's not about love. And so for Jonathan to show his affection to Timothy... And for Timothy to sing a whole ballad about how much he loves Jonathan, it's all in a smack of an ass. Yeah. Rather than any true affection or love there. And I feel like the whole film is based on that. Um, have you ever seen Elvira, Mistress of the Dark? 
bits and bobs of it. Do you remember the scene where she uh, bakes a pie that makes everyone have sex with each other at the picnic? <laughs> no, but I w- now I need to watch this whole movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is essentially what this film was. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> and I think I actually think Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, is a film about homophobia. Um, not, you know, because Elvira is so different and everyone's against her. Um, but that was one scene in Elvira. This yeah. is the whole film. Well, so, people in lust with each other well, and that... wanting to shag each other rather than actually being in love with each yeah. other, which is what the film is meant to be about. Well, because with Midsummer, at least it's peop- the, like prior to them being under the spell, if I remember correctly, they do talk about how they would like the other person. Because uh, it's supposed to be two couples, but I think that they're basically like swingers, like they want to be swingers or something like that. <laughs> there is some sort of discussion prior to the spell happening, and then it's not as predatory as it is here in this mm-hmm. movie. But like, you only get the one side where Timothy is in love with John- Jonathan, really has no character development, I feel like. He- he's just there. And if this was a heterosexual rom-com, there would be there would still be tension and like the counterpart, the the love interest would have some sort of like scene or background or other dialogue. So I, again, I just feel like we're missing something here. Yeah, there's no scene where Jonathan explains himself, right? He explains who he is, what he is, why he never stood up for Timothy. There's no resolution to that part no. of the story where it's like, well, why did you allow Timothy to be bullied and sometimes get involved within the bullying? Like, where does that stem from? Because it does end after the spell's broken and the the, um, the production is over. It's one kiss and that's it. The film's yeah. over. It's like, well, wh- who is Jonathan? I've absolutely no idea. Jonathan also looked a lot like so many of the other characters in the film. It was hard to tell <laughs> which was which. And with no development whatsoever, it was like, well, okay, I'm not invested in this relationship. I'm not, because I don't know who these people are. But also at the end, the mom is magically like an ally. Like she oh. sees she sees Jonathan and Timothy kiss and she's like, oh, my son. And you're like, Wait, what? Where, yeah. is this, where is this coming from? Again, she I, was never I, under the spell. No, she no. was never under the spell. So, uh, again, you know, where was her moment where her lesson was learned? Where, where did that? Because I, I do not believe that in what is a predominantly homophobic town, anyone understood anything about Midsummer Night's Dream. No. Well, <laughs> I again, I feel like I'm quite cultured. I don't feel like I'm stupid. But if I just watched what was happening on that stage, I'd have no idea what anyone was saying, what any of it was about. Uh-huh. But everyone in the audience who was seemingly quite, you know, depicted as quite backwards because of their homophobic views, not the most cultured or intelligent, yeah. They're cheering along, like, yeah, love love Midsummer Night's Dream. I totally know what's going on here. I, when I was sat there, I was like, oh, I don't know. What are, they, what are they getting from this? I ain't getting anything. 
And what's weird too is that they put some. I think they were like, "Oh, Midsummer Night's Dream, we can do fairy jokes with the games." Yeah, yeah. which I don't. Which I don't mind. I mean, I I can laugh at myself as as much as anyone else. And my assumption is that the majority of the people involved with the film are gay themselves. The writer, yes, yes. director. That that is my assumption. And I do hope that's true. Or. Uh, and at least right now, <laughs> at, at least have one gay, just one gay. Yeah, that's just one gay. Just, uh, are we allowed fairy jokes? Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. You know, well, only, we spoke to one gay person, so we're allowed. Well, because the because when again when Donna is with that Christian lady who says, you know, man should not lie with men. Prior to that, she's like, my son's a fairy, and in real life, like yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck. But that to me, that's that's funny. I thought that was funny. I I thought that's um, sort of what John Waters used to do. Mm-hmm. So, at laughing at yourselves in a way. Um, so I don't mind moments like that if the the film as a whole deals with things better than that one scene. I I do. I find you know that's funny. It, it's camp. It's silly. But because the the sort of morals of the film are so muddled. Yeah. I didn't really, you know, it's just like, oh, well, that kind of feels stupid now. Yeah. Where it, at the time I was like, oh, it's funny. But looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, just a lot of fairy jokes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, also, we didn't get it. We, didn't, we haven't talked about Max yet. Timothy's friend who is the first person to get the pepper sprayed. Prior to that, I was like, no, you're also heteroflexible, my guy. Like we said, like I said, this is all about passing glances and things like, oh my God, he looked at me. Oh, he touched my butt saying good game or whatever. <laughs> I feel like Max is also doing that towards Timothy prior to the- I got that, uh, yeah. I mean, I also um, thought it was a little dodgy that uh, Timothy's mom had a problem with him and Max making up. But then when he got with the uh, the rugby guy, she was like, oh, yeah, I'm so happy for you. There's one big difference here. The rugby guy is white. Yeah. So I think oh, her yeah. problem may go past homophobia yeah. as well. Oh, no. Oh. Two for one special, I feel, there. Oh, boy. I, and also, what, like, after all of this, do you feel Timothy... And Jonathan deserve to be in a relationship together, or like Timothy deserves Jonathan really as a prize. Um, there's no learning moment, no. is there? There's no um, mean girls breaking the tiara into pieces and no. throwing it out. There's no big speech. There's there's nothing. It, the kind of the spell's broken and everything's fine. And Timothy doesn't actually learn that what he did was wrong. Because what he did was wrong. Yeah. You can't force people to love you. You can't. Yes. You can't. You know, force people to be gay yeah. <laughs> as much as you can force people to be straight. And I feel like that was the moral on display. Mm-hmm. But there was no moment for that, and no. I, that did disappoint me. I did. I did wish there was a moment on stage because he does. He does have a moment, but it, it's him as um, Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream, mm-hmm. which is fine if you know what the hell he was going on about. Yeah. And he gets his 
standing ovation and everyone thinks beautiful performance. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what did he just say? I've got no idea. <laughs> what does any of this mean? Are you talking about the ending when he... The ending. Goodbye, yeah. So there should have been a moment where Timothy learned his lesson and sort of realised you can't force people to fall in love with you. You can't go around macing people. You can't do any of that. You know, it's the end of Sabrina the Teenage Witch episode, you know, which also has a very similar plot to this film. <laughs> she forces people yeah. to do things. She always learns a lesson. The lesson is learned. She has a little bit of a monologue for us and everyone goes home happy but he doesn't have that moment he's like oh it actually all worked out in the end maybe i should do this again or like now happy. it's it's also i'm also a little unclear as to like if everyone remembers like those under the spell remember what ha what they were doing because clearly like those that weren't maced remember all the this you know cuckoo bananas crazy of a week <laughs> Yeah. There was at one point where Timothy says, oh, I don't want to go back to how it was. And it was literally like a day. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> I don't want to go back to how it was. Well, there was also so many montages in this movie. Like, the, yeah. the one that Mika plays over, I was just like, what? what is time? Because all of it, like, he's dancing in the kitchen, he's practicing, but like, at the start and the end of that montage, I feel like is the same day. Where yeah, yeah I think yeah, so. I think so. Or I don't know if it's that specific one. I know there's one in the movie where it's like he does one thing about like practicing. A montage happens, and then he's still practicing at the end of it. You know, it's like where are we? How long? What is time, everyone? <laughs> it was definitely the two thousands because you did have him in a very tight. I love New York. Uh, white t-shirt dancing to Mika in his kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> little little Twinkie dance. That's gay culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any anything else you want to talk about before we get into Sharp and Flat? Yeah, can we talk about Nora for a second? Camp oh. Icon. Icon Nora, who I was Nora very disappointed to find out was homophobic. But again, she learned a lesson in the end. <laughs> she was... Um, she was high camp, wasn't yeah. she? She was the um, Avon lady, you would call it here, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, yep. So, wasn't yep, there a she... famous one that Shirley MacLaine played in a film? No, it was Avon Calling, you know. Is it Avon? Avon? Yeah. Are there any Avers in America? Are there what? Do that sort of house-to-house uh, -house makeup selling. They did. I don't think they do it anymore because, um, you know, now internet. Yeah. <laughs> I just think of Edward Scissorhands. With that. Yeah. For, for us here, it's not really door to door. It's usually at the pub. <laughs> Someone who goes to the, the pub will be no, an Avon lady. My old street, I lived Did in, they? they used to go door to door. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, because I know he, at least here, they're used, they're, I don't know if there still are, but there were Tupperware parties where, like, you yes. would look at the Tupperware and have, have like yeah. wine and cheese and hang out and buy some Tupperware. I feel like there may have been also makeup parties like that or bag purse parties. But I feel like in 2008, even then, like there wasn't the door to door happening in any capacity. You know, there was in the UK. That was at the time when it was happening um, around where I lived. 
um it was around that time and he also used to do um Anne summer's parties as well which is sex toys which is bizarre to me that yes a group of women just get together for a party and uh, play around with sex toys and have wine and cheese and wine and cheese yeah. keys in the bowl You put your keys in the bowl, and whoever's yeah. keys you pulled out, that to his wife. You would cheese and pineapple sticks on a dildo. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a different. That's a different party entirely. Yeah. <laughs> the, the keys. You, sorry, on our podcast, we do this all the time, where we go on just little mini tangents about films that have very little relation to the actual film. But we say we're like, "Who was in that? What was that?" And uh, when I was speaking of. The film with Shirley MacLaine. It was called Hell on Heels: The Battle of Mary Kay. Oh, Mary, yeah, Mary Kay is a another makeup brand, I believe. Yes, right? yeah. So that's what I was getting. Mary, so um, what's the name in this film? Nora. I feel Nora like Fay. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Nora Nora Fay. Mary. That Kay. makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> film, by the way. If anyone's listening and you've not seen it, Hell on Heels got Parker Posey. It's got um, Shirley MacLaine and it's got Shannon Doherty as well. And I used to love that <laughs> film when I was younger. My God. Shannon Doherty. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Nora Faye. I feel like she's the one that learns the most. I, I think so. I, I liked when uh, Donna asks her about her children and she says, oh, God, no, I bore no children. I thank the Lord above for the grace that he gave me just to spawn Norma Faye. <laughs> like, that's count. Like, yes, queen. Uh, yeah, she. we look to her for some of the humor, it feels yeah. like. Yeah. Uh. But then she comes out as homophobic. I was like, oh, no. Ruined. How could you look like that and be homophobic? <laughs> Dress like a drag queen, for God's sake. Basically. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and you sell makeup for fuck's sake. Like, exactly. come on. How exactly. can you how dare you be homophobic and sell makeup? <laughs> yeah, RuPaul should be giving away a sickening supply of Nora Faye. That's what you should... <laughs> Oh my god. I did I also noted that like some at some point in the movie they mentioned how many people live in that town which is like anywhere USA I'm assuming mm. and there were like 10,000 people live in this town I was like 10,000 people are live in this town and like half of them are affected by cuz Timothy goes on the spree and sprays randos and there's that whole like um news cast later uh where they're where it's like two ladies who are getting married literally the next day after they got sprayed. And I was like, what is happening, everyone? I re- I actually, it's one of, there's two parts of the film that I really did hate. And obviously we've had a joke about certain things, but I really hated that newscast because the whole idea is that the mayor is now gay and has legalized gay marriage in the town. Yeah. Fabulous. Fantastic. These two women are on the newscast and they say, oh, well, we were just neighbours for 20 years and we suddenly saw each other and fell in love and now we're getting married. Which I feel negates the whole point of that because they're said about, oh, what about family values? And they're like, well, we have family values, which is a great point to make, you know, in in this film and, and in life, really. Gay people can have, can have family values. 
but because they made the joke about them being neighbors they're not gay they're not gay they are they are not gay no they are not two women getting married they are two women under a spell if you'd had people coming from out of town who were in a loving gay relationship uh-huh getting married then i think the point would have come across better yeah and it annoyed me that that was made into a joke about them being neighbors and about them being under the spell and i I just it's little things like that where i'm like you could have done that differently and got your point across better and i would i would have appreciated that because your point is about understanding and Mm -hmm. it is the whole film is about understanding gay people and you know the struggle that they go through because of homophobia and how you should walk a mile in someone's Louboutins before <laughs> before you judge and that's what the whole film is about and it just annoyed me with that one and there's another joke and it came across as a joke i'm not sure if it was meant to but at the parents meeting at the school there's a kid called henry whose father speaks do you remember this part yes mm-hmm. And Henry's father says, this is my son. I found him this morning in bed with his best friend, Russ. They were holding each other and kissing. Believe me, I taught them both a lesson. To which Henry says, uh, the course of true love never did run smooth, which is obviously the big quote from A Midsummer Night's Dream. And it's a joke and it's an in-reference. It's a bit like, ah, okay, I get it. But his father is just pretty much admitted to, I'm assuming beating him yeah 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 and it's like oh i'm getting mixed messages here Mm -hmm. you know is this this okay why am i getting this joke here about this father beating his son for being gay and then it's a wink wink nudge nudge midsummer night's dream reference what's also interesting is that this came out in 2008 and we're still dealing with shit that's in this movie Mm -hmm. like um, there's the scene where the headmaster, the rugby coach, and the and what's her name from Twin Peaks are all are talking, and like the two men are like, "Hey, we can't do the show because drag." And she's like, "We've always done drag at this all boys school. This is how it's been done. I'm still fucking doing it." And I'm just, I was, I it it hit differently this time because of all the anti-trans and anti-drag laws that are happening here in the states which don't get me started they need they need to stop this like what it what 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 did and like i'm also asking the movie like what did queer people do to you that made you do this go this extreme like uh, it's an art like they're putting on a play and that's the whole point is to like Play, like learn how to act and understand what you're saying because Shakespeare is poetry. It, it was so weird that I was like, "Oh, we're regressing. We're we're doing as a society. We're going back to this, and God only knows where we're going to go." Then, like, oh, it's so sad. Yeah, no, absolutely, it is. It is, and to, to we, I've said it a couple of times. This film is a product of its time, but there are aspects that aren't. And they, they they still hold true now. Mm-hmm. And that's very sad, actually. And it's very disappointing. And yes, obviously, we're here in the UK. But to see anybody in this world be demoralized and to be 
to see the prejudice against them for being who they are. That's very upsetting. Yeah. Very upsetting. I mean, trans laws aren't that much better here in the UK. No, no, they're, they're not. But there's less of anti-trans and anti-drag laws. Mm. It, it's 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 absolutely insane to think of what's going on there, and and to think yes, we'd still here in the UK still have a, a long walk, road to walk towards true equality in, in that sense, particularly with um, yes. transgendered people. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's, I, mean, I suppose why films like this are important. And we, we have sat here and we have kind of badmouthed it maybe a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, but these stories do need to be told maybe, maybe a little better yeah. than this one, but these, these stories I- do still need to be told. I feel like there are better stories than yeah, yeah. Better, better ways to tell the story than to be like, hey, I'm going to turn into a predator and turn the guy that I'm I have a crush on who is straight question mark. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like this movie is the one that is what it, people would cite if they knew this movie existed to be the hateful side to be like, look, gays are predators. Yeah. Yeah, I think. So. But I also Ooh. think. That- with the sort of films that were around at that time, maybe it didn't stick out so much. Oh, God, no. (laughs) If you'd seen this from a straight perspective, it would have been at every cinema across the country starring an A-lister with millions budget. And it would have been a hit, a smash hit. Mm -hmm. Are you... (laughs) Oh, I thought you were talking about Brokeback Mountain, which happened... Three years well, before this oh, movie. Oh no, no! Just if if you had changed the the gay aspects of this film into a straight into heterosexual, uh-huh. and it was someone an unacquainted love, and a spell was cast, and I'm sure this film exists somewhere. It's definitely an episode of Sabrina, I swear. Um, but if you had have a film where the gay elements were gotten rid of, it would have had a bigger budget. It would have had stars. It would have been you know, mainstream, it would have been at the cinema for everyone to see. Um, so it, it, I think it's a, a sign of the times, really, because I don't think anyone back then, me included, you know, would have batted an eyelid, really, mm. at the idea of consent within this, because it just wasn't really a thing back then, unfortunately. Mm. No. We live and learn with these things, and we're as human beings constantly growing. Hopefully, um, not everyone, but uh, as human beings, we do grow and we do learn from these sort of things. So, if I'd watched this in 2008, it probably wouldn't have felt as icky as it does now in 2023 because I'm older and wiser. No, yeah. I, I, because I've watched this in 2008 and now in 2023 and I still feel icky about it because it's like (laughs) well because you know it's all about consent like you said earlier and it's um, he is very predatory because then he's just like I'm going to now cause mischief and turn this whole town gay because the very small microcosm world that we see of like the characters in this town are all homophobic so the three of us have to assume that the whole town is homophobic because of this, these characters that have 
the lines that say the F word and all that. But it's never really stated that, you know, this was the most homophobic town in America or something. Like, I feel like if when we get to the utopic moment of the mayor legalizing gay marriage and all that, because again, this is also before gay marriage was legalized Mm -hmm. here in the States. I feel like we needed something. We need, there's so much missing from this movie and it's only an hour. It's only an hour and a half. You can add more to it. Be like, oh yes, this town is very hateful. I, I mean, there's only one gay in the village, literally. Because in a town of 10,000 people, he cannot be the only gay person. Yeah. 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 But no one ever sticks up for him. No. Gay or straight, no one sticks up for him even his friends no, even frankie, never actually stick up for I mean, him. frankie just sings a song about it she sings a song about it it's like oh that's a real shame that you've got a black eye here's a song i wrote about it a cute little <laughs> ditty about you being bullied yeah and but she when you know donna the mother questions it she's the first one to say oh it's just a dodgeball accident like, well who's sticking up for timothy yeah. this? what what's going on here plus Why- no one sticking up for him. Plus, Donna overreacted to seeing the black guy. I mean, th- this movie has a lot of re- reveals. Um, and it's all makeup reveals, if you think about it. Like, he he reveals to his mom this huge bruise black eye on his uh, 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 in the kitchen. And she, like, throws shit everywhere to be like, oh, look at that reveal. And now I'm going to cause an accident and overreact and everything. I don't know how, I think I, I, I got really angry all of a sudden at this movie <laughs> through our discussion. Um, let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Yes. Sharp Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. If we didn't like it, I thought it could change. It's flat. Who wants to go first and with what? I'll go first. I've got yeah. four sharp. I've got four of each, actually. Okay. Um, so my four sharps are Frankie's costume choices because you know 2008 fashion. Yes. Uh, Miss Tebbit and Nora being camp icons. Uh, the Patrick Wolf needle drop, and for the first half and the whole the way it dealt with the bullying at first before it went really over the top, I put the gay representation for 2008. I think just having representation, yeah, I think is, and then that's that's what I put for my sharps as well. I said I feel like its heart was in the right place, and I I appreciate its existence. It yeah. could have been better, but I appreciate that we did have a gay film based on a Midsummer Night's Dream, and it was made <laughs> because we need any sort of representation and we can grow from there. And over the years, uh, Wendy Robbie was a camp icon. And I also appreciate it. It had a happy ending. It wasn't. Mm, okay. Yeah. It, I just, I appreciate it. I, I was kind of clutching at straws here because I didn't want to be too negative because there's a lot of flats. Um, but I just, I kind of appreciated that it did have a happy ending. Because a lot of gay films don't have happy endings. Yeah. Dies or the, the love, it's still unrequainted. The way we got there, I wasn't too happy with. And I'll let you know that in a second. But I'm glad that we had a happy ending. No yeah. one died. <laughs> um, I wrote down Miss Tebbett, who is the, um, what's her name from Twin Peaks? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, listening to the Mika needle drop, I was just 
I was so happy about it. <laughs> I sharped it. Uh, my other sharp is the iambic pentameter slash Shakespearean language because I'm not sure what's what uh, when they are under the spell. Like the people speak that. Speak oh, yeah. That I'm just like, yeah, you know what? Yes, because this clearly all of a sudden you're like, oh, now I'm affecting my speech and everything. So people should know something is wrong <laughs> or is not not the norm. Yeah. Um, I sharped the guitarist in the band at the end. The one guy who is clearly homophobic the whole time, but he's now wearing this pink <laughs> wig. Like, okay, I want to know his story. Like, I want to talk to that actor and be like, tell me your subtext. What's going on here? Like, were you were you cool with the gays from the beget from the get and you wanted to be like part of the cool, like fit in with the guys and make fun of Timothy? What's going on? Um, he, I feel like he was the main instigator though. Was he? I, I feel, he was I think he one was of the them. Only blonde. So that's how he stuck out. And he was at the very end. He goes up to them and says, oh, I hope you'll be at my party next week. See you, lads. Yes. Yeah. I yes. feel like he, he was actually the main sort of uh, homophobe. Now I want a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of him yeah. to make another <laughs> Shakespeare reference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then my last sharp, I went totally camp here. At the very end of the movie, it's a stupid little detail, but Timothy is wiping off makeup and he, his hand is like, feet away from his face and he's not wiping anything off (laughs) he's just like i'm rubbing this one area because of takes and everything so dumb um yeah how about uh okay flats let's get into it so mine is the audition scene i found that absolutely unbearable um i don't even know why it just really annoyed me uh the meek and needle drop sorry Why was Timothy the only one that had to sing for his audition, by the way? I have no it idea. Was, like, Why <laughs> was it a musical? <laughs> yeah. Why was it a musical? And also, <laughs> why was there a girl singing at the end of the musical? Because she's wonderful? Frankie. Everyone knows Frankie. <laughs> I mean, was that planned ahead? Why Why was she ever part of the... There, <laughs> was, a, there was a line early on where Timothy's like, uh, Miss Tibbetts looking for a uh, a band at the end. I th- I think he said I signed you up for it, or like you oh. should go talk to her about that. It's okay. it's a throwaway line that y- if you blink you miss it. So <laughs> I think I sneezed well, at that point. I mean, yeah. that about the musicals brings me to my third flat, uh, which is the musical numbers. Every single one of them um, is, is one of my flats. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and. My final one is the magic flower and everything that comes with it. I don't understand how it works. No. I mean, it it just jizzes whenever it wants to. Yeah. He just gives it a shake and it sprays. <laughs> also, what I don't understand, if he got it directly from a Midsummer Night's Dream, mm-hmm. why is he the first person in history <laughs> over the last, what, almost 400, 500 years? Why is he the first person to actually... Put it to uh to the test yeah. and put the potion together. Also, he just so happens to have all the ingredients in his house. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. My flats is uh, <laughs> I hated how the only word, only the word "we're" is uh, had a capital letter in the title card. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it was the only one to have a. a... 
I keep forgetting the title of this film. What is the title? Were the world mine? Were the world mine? <laughs> no, we are the world we mine. We are the world mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just reading that. I was like, I read that wrong, but I can't remember the name of the, t- the fucking film for God's sake. We're doing great, everyone. Ask me in a year, and I will have no recollection of this film whatsoever. <laughs> I apologize. That's on me. But yeah, during the title card. It was only the first word that had a uh, capital letter, and it really pissed me off. <laughs> it's, like, it's not a sentence, it's a title. <laughs> um, my second flat is it relies heavily on stereotypes for its humour. Um, the fact that the moment anyone had any attraction to the same sex, suddenly they could do ballet. I really didn't get that. Oh my like, God, yes. Do ballet. Yeah pirouetting around everywhere. I can assure you I don't. Um, my uh, third one is uh, it does bring up questions of consent that aren't necessarily dealt with. Um, homophobia is cured, but it's not really explained how. Just like homophobia is cured. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, many of the characters were painfully underdeveloped, I, I thought, as well. And... Um, I, I thought it was, it's difficult from a modern perspective to, to just not feel a bit icky about a lot of yeah. the subject matter, consent, obviously, homophobia, um, twinks. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely proud of its time. Um, okay, so I flatted Donna right off the bat. Like, yeah. Like, we, there's that one scene. In the car, uh, where she, I mean, she eventually asks him, "Why are you gay?" But like, that's the scene that we get. Also, all the backstory of both of them in like two minutes, <laughs> where it's like the parents are divorced. He couldn't live with his dad. He lived with Frankie for a little bit. This, that, he's gay. I don't know. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> we yeah. need more time. I'm pretty. It's in the car as well. Why is it always in a car in films? <laughs> Where uh, parents question their uh, children's sexuality. What was in the car? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what that's trying to say. Like they want to run them over or something, or over a nice cup of tea in the front room. <laughs> yeah. I also wrote down. I flattered the tone and the lack of focus in the movie because, like, I don't know if it wanted to be a comedy, like a flat-out funny haha comedy, or like if it wanted to have just comedic moments. It was weird. 2008. Come on. Huge flat to the costume design of the Midsummer, uh, the play. I didn't understand it. I didn't like it at all. I love, though, when she was just like, look at my design. Ooh, this is what this is what I thought for Titania. This is what I thought for Oberon. And I'm like, gross. <laughs> um, I didn't think it ended up looking like that. No. Anyway, it just, it kind of, was it Neon? But like, um, what's that neon paint that, uh, you get in like um, ghost trains? And oh, so- the, the like the glow in the dark paint. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot what of that. that? <laughs> I've always hated, and I it's a super flat for me. It's so dumb too. Max dancing at the end. <laughs> there's that. There's just a cutaway shot of him only dancing, and I'm like, why is this here? <laughs> I could say that about a lot of other things in this movie, but why is that there? 
Um, and then my last flat is how narrow-minded and homophobic slash transphobic the people are and the world still is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a major flat. Yeah. yeah. Major flat. <laughs> yeah. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Major yeah. flat. <laughs> still a long way to go. But, like, I agree with your flats, too. I didn't, like, through this discussion, I was it was a little more illuminating how much this movie is terrible. Like, I know this movie's bad, but, like, how terrible this movie is and everything. Oh, boy. I think what's frustrating is it could have been great. And I, yeah. I, do, I do feel that. And I feel that like there are snippets of a good film there. And I didn't fully hate every second I was watching it. Um, but it, it was... I. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm just sad. It, 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 yeah, <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this for both of you. But would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? None of the musical numbers, but the Magic Position by Patrick Wolf is already on my life's playlist. It's already there. <laughs> I think it's very, very telling how little time we've spent talking about the songs yeah a lot of them were less than a minute or their little guitar ditties uh, i was shocked by just how little music there really was mm. like full out productions again like i said earlier i think that is to do with budget constraints yeah. mm-hmm. um i didn't mind uh pyramus and fisby the uh the last the yeah it was giving Disney Channel original movie rock chick yeah. vibes. I didn't understand a word of what she was singing. <laughs> it didn't make any sense because obviously it's all taken from the Shakespeare uh, play. But I didn't. I had a nice beat. <laughs> I feel like Charade. I had a nice. A lot of the songs. Yeah, I nice beat. Beat. I like um. Yeah. Music's <laughs> fine. I w- I don't think I would listen to it outside of here. Like um, I did. I also. I mean, I did like the scene. All things shall be peace. The um when the when the entire cast is in the field of the flowers. Like that was a nice image. But I. I mean, I don't. The song was whatever. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, guys, we're done. We did it. We did the episode. <laughs> we did. We did this movie. For- what do you have to plug or promote? Uh, so we are Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram and Horror Court Trash on Twitter. And yeah, Pride Month, we will be discussing plenty of gay films, including with yourself, when we'll be discussing Rope. Yeah. Uh, that may have happened already. I'm not sure when this is coming out yet, but yeah. we'll figure it out. <laughs> But make sure you head on over to their podcast to hear me finally be on. Uh. Yes. It's been a, it's been a while. Dis- discussing a, a very good film. I feel We've much gone better than this. from the ridiculous <laughs> to the sublime. Yeah. We will be discussing an old-time masterpiece. You have seen it, haven't you? Oh, yes, I have seen yes. it. Old-time yes. masterpiece. Yes, very uh, If you actually like this movie and want to defend it, you can. You can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttersongpod. Do you know what they were saying in the Shakespeare? when they were in the play because we're all confused it sounds like um and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation we're still going strong with pride month and we're doing hedwig and the angry inch now our dvd of what a world mine says on it that this uh, that hedwig better watch out because this film's about now that is a lie hedwig is a masterpiece and so much better than this film <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, they they that's a bold statement to yeah. say that Hedwig better watch out. I mean, you could have asked us to be on the podcast to discuss Hedwig, <laughs> but uh, you chose this. Uh, I won't hold a grudge. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I found a I found a another Brit to be to be on. <laughs> I'm not doing rope anymore. I'm not <laughs> oh, oh. I can choose to burnish you with. <laughs> hey, bring it. Uh, I I will I will trash talk a movie any day. Uh, Gary and Chris, thank you so much for coming back on. Would you consider this one a trash piece, or is this just other basic? We do a masterpiece, yeah. trash piece, trash or basic, and this would absolutely fall into basic. It, it would, and I feel a little guilty saying it, but it it, it is. It's, it's not good. I feel I feel terrible because I feel like the heart was in the right place, but no, basic. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming back on. Thank you for having us. Please don't be mad and I hope I hope you come back. No grudges held. Yay! And bye for now, everyone. Happy Pride! Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to Castbox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.